0: If you have your Bible, open to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel. If you can't find it, go to 2 Samuel, and it'll be right before that. If you can't find that, it'll be on the screen in a minute, so it's okay. In 1 Samuel, we'll be beginning in verse 14, 1 Samuel 14, verse 1, the Bible says, One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migran with him were about 600 men skip down to verse 6 Jonathan said to his young armor bearer come let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf nothing can hinder the Lord from saving whether by many or by few Verse 13, Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about a half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field and those in the outpost and raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Have you ever had a moment or come come upon a situation that was full of opportunity and full of promise, and you were excited about the possibilities that were in front of you, but somehow it slipped away and nothing happened? You knew that you should go to the right, and there was some pull that kept you from going in that direction there was so much opportunity to do good but 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 in those situations sometimes we choose to do nothing we don't choose necessarily to do evil we just choose to not get involved to to stay in neutral to not participate just to not do anything you know we've probably all had experiences like that in our lives maybe a lot of those types of experiences and, Why do those things happen when we don't get involved and do things as the Lord puts on our heart? I think one reason is that we have put so much emphasis on not making the wrong decision that we have become blind to the opportunities to do good. It seems like we have defined holiness more as what we separate ourselves from rather than what we give ourselves to. It seems that Christians are, are known for more for what we are against than from what we are for. But you know, if you think about it, at the end of our lives, the things that we'll regret the most are not those wrong, dumb decisions we've made. But, but the thing we'll regret the most is the life we failed to live. Because you cannot live a victorious life and neutral. God created us to just do something. Not just to avoid what is wrong. In James 4, 7 it says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Before our text in 1 Samuel this morning, God had told Saul to wait seven days for Samuel to bring an offering to the Lord. But if y'all remember that passage Rather than waiting on Samuel, Saul took matters into his own hands. Any of us ever take matters into our own hands this morning? See, but notice in our text today, Saul later, when he should have been leading those soldiers into battle, he chose to take a nap. His response to having messed up or to failure was not to learn from it and do better next time. His response to failure was to do nothing at all to be afraid, to be insecure, and just do nothing. Failure can sometimes paralyze us. But, you know, success has dangers as well. Success can give us the fear of losing what's been gained. See, it seems like sometimes the more we move with a God-given urgency and a God-given passion in our life, the more God seems to bless your life. And you know what? The more God blesses your life, the more you have to lose. And the more you have to lose, the more you have to risk, and the more you have to risk, then the higher the price of following Christ. And in some twisted way, God's blessings can become our greatest obstacle to following God. You know, we tend to think that if we follow God, everything should always be clear. We think if we're trying to do what God has for us, it should just always be very clear what direction that we should go in. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is in Acts 16. You should read it this week. When Luke describes his journey with Paul. Now if anyone followed Jesus, it was Paul. He was a superhero of the faith. But let's read a few verses here in Acts 16 beginning in verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man standing and begging him in Macedonia, come over and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach to them basically paul had no idea where to go at first he went to asia and the spirit prevented him from going to asia he was going to preach the gospel he was going to do kingdom work but the spirit prevented him from going to asia but hear this this morning paul didn't know where he was going but paul knew why he was going See, and we need to reclaim some, some passion this morning and not be so concerned about the where's. Where was God have me to go? Where God has you to go is not the big deal. It's why God has you to go there. It's to further his kingdom. See, if we'll focus on the why's, then we'll quit walking around with our, with our shoulders slumped down, looking depressed, looking like somebody, I don't know, stole our dog or something. I mean, do you ever, I don't mean to be sacrilegious, but I'll tell you the truth. If all I knew of Jesus was what I saw in some professed Christians. I wouldn't want anything to do with him. I see Christians walking around with their shoulders slumped, poor pitiful me. What are you talking about? If you are in Christ, you are a child of the Most High King. What do you have to be down about? I'm not saying there's not problems, and I'm not belittling anything you go through, but in the end, you're going to die and go to heaven. What is there to be so down about? Get some passion in your life. Quit, quit focusing on the thou shalt nots and get some passion and some enthusiasm in your life. You know, I'll tell you, if you read the Bible, this is an extra for you this morning. If you read the Bible, it actually helps you. It does. So a few of us have been trying to start up a little introductory dream center here in the area. Excited about it. Help some people in some in addiction recovery, homeless, sex trafficking, whatever. Just help people in the name of Jesus. We're not... It doesn't matter which. We just want to help some people in the name of Jesus, and, and so we thought we had a location here that would work, and it, and it didn't work. And then we thought we had a location here, and it didn't work. I've never had such a hard time spending money in my whole life. It just it, it wouldn't work, and I was honestly I was starting to get a little discouraged. And I read this about Paul. I haven't failed. We haven't failed. He didn't fail in the first two places he was going. They took him to the right place. We haven't failed. We're just one step closer to that which God has for us. So when you get a little down, it's amazing if you'll get in this book. If you'll get in the Bible, God will speak to you, and he will encourage you. We need to understand we are representatives of Jesus Christ. We are representatives. If you're a Christian, it's not a question of are you a representative. You are a representative of Jesus Christ. You may be a neutral representative, You may be a poor representative, but you are a representative of Jesus Christ. Get out of being stuck and having your focus being not to do evil. If you'll get your eyes on Jesus, that stuff all takes care of itself. I don't know about you. There's a longer list of things I shouldn't do than I can get to. Just as I seem to kind of plug a leak here, I don't know about y'all, but it kind of springs over here. Follow me around. You'll see it. It won't be hard to find. And then just as I get this plugged up, then, then it seems like there's a leap. But you know what? When I get my eyes off of that and I get my eyes on Jesus, all that stuff takes care of itself. We don't need to focus on the what we shouldn't do. Get some passion. There's no passion about shouldn't do something. Get some passion and some enthusiasm to what we should do. He said, I don't know about that. Well, let's see what Jesus had to say about it. How's that? In Matthew 25, read that this week. The parable of the talents, some of y'all know that. He called that servant that buried his talents and did nothing. He called him wicked and lazy. You say, well, that's pretty harsh. Keep reading. Down in verse 30, it says, And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. This topic this morning is serious. Just do something. Search yourself. Are you doing anything for the Lord? Not if you intended to do something for the Lord. Are you doing anything for the Lord? Not just coming to church every now and again. Not just coming to church every Sunday. Are you doing anything for the Lord? If not, I want to ask you this morning, have you ever met Jesus? Have you ever truly met Jesus because you can't know Jesus You can't have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe and not have some passion and some enthusiasm inside of you. If you don't have any passion and any enthusiasm inside of you, if it's zero, I'm just going to tell you, you can't know Jesus. You may have been to church and you may have joined a church and your parents may have been Christians, but if you don't have any passion and enthusiasm at all in your life, then you don't know the Jesus that I know. Because I can't know Jesus and have no passion. While we're talking about doing something this morning, I mean, let's talk about what doing something is not. How's that? Just for a minute. Just a little extra material for you. Doing something is not criticizing others who are doing something. Okay, so let's get that one out of the way. So if you don't like the message this morning, don't tell me because I don't care. It makes me no difference. I'm not here to impress. It, it, I don't care your evaluation of the, the order of the message. See, it's not just trying to live by the golden rule. It's not. It's, I talk to a lot of people that just say, well, I'm going to do unto others as I'd have them do unto me. Okay, that's great, but that's not doing something. It's not just being a good person and, and trying to keep the peace and not rocking the boat. See, all of those are, are good things, but they don't have any passion. Down deep, they don't have a fire that burns. You know, as I'm around various different people, it seems like many sincere Christians are just afraid to do something. Some of us have an idea that God's going to send us to some third world country to live in a hut with a dirt floor and no plumbing and no air conditioning. See, but that's not it at all. Read your Bible. Psalm 37, 4 says, When we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. See, when you follow Jesus, he'll give you passion and he'll give you desire. Some of us, our whole life, we've spent trying to beat desire out of ourselves. You know what that is? And I'm not being disrespectful at all. It's Buddhism. The the end goal of Buddhism is to have no desire and no passion. It's the, it's the complete elimination of desire. But, and a lot of people live our lives that way without any passion and just go from day to day. But when we follow Jesus, the goal is not the elimination of desires. It's the transforming of our desires and our passion. See, because let me tell you something. The only thing some of you say, I, I talk to some of you, and you say, well, I'm just not very passionate. I've known some of you for a lot of years. Some of us have had some destructive passions. Am I the only one? Huh? I've had, but let me tell you what doesn't work. What doesn't work is taking those old destructive passions and replacing them with nothing. That doesn't work. What works is taking those old passions that wrecked our lives and that kept us down and replacing those with new passions and new fires that ignite you. God doesn't want to take your passion away, He wants to give you a passion that is so powerful. One of the things I love about Jesus is he, he puts passion and desires. He wants to give you a passion that is, that is so, so powerful, it'll just engulf all those old passions. And then the old things will pass away, and behold, all things will become new. I think where we get stuck is we get stuck on focusing on those old things passing away. But then we stop and we don't make all things become new. He who has been get forgiven much has much to give thanks for. Maybe it's just me this morning, but I have a heart of thanks. Maybe I know how much I've been forgiven. Hmm? Y'all don't know how much you've been forgiven? That'll put some passion in you. He wants us to have a fire that, that, that creates light, not a fire that creates devastation. And, and some of you here this morning keep waiting on God to do something in your life. And God is waiting on you to do something. And you're saying, Oh God, when? And He's saying, I don't know, when? And you're saying, Oh, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Let me help you with something if I could this morning. You're not that fast. We've kind of rewritten the Bible a little bit, we wait on the Lord to do what He does. Some of us out here today are waiting on the Lord to do what we're supposed to do. Oh, I'm just waiting on God. What are you waiting for? Waiting on in God to tell me what to do. Read your Bible. Go ye therefore. He's already told you. Get this. You've got a green light. Go. Go ye therefore. Make disciples share Christ. Don't get stuck just doing nothing. Except things for ourselves, that's so empty. And don't get stuck thinking, well, it's not that I'm not doing anything for God. I'm just just still here waiting. That's an excuse to do nothing. Because there's a direct relationship between passion and initiative. The more passionate you are, the more proactive you'll be. You know what? You may boldly mess a lot of stuff up. That's okay. I would rather boldly mess a lot of stuff up trying to do something for Jesus than to do nothing. Mess some stuff up. Some of you never messed anything up in your whole life. Do something for the Lord. Fail. Redefine what failure is. It's not failing. The devil's going to tell you, oh, you're a failure. You tried and it didn't work. Keep going. Keep going. Motion creates momentum. Just do something. Don't buy into that stuff that it's all about talent or or giftedness or intelligence. It's about moving out of passivity. Listen, this morning, I want to help you with something. When you are truly following Christ, this is going to be a new one for you this morning. When you're truly following Christ, you can trust your passions Because he's put those passions and those desires. Some of you your whole life have run from your desires and run from your passions. Delight yourself in the Lord. Then it'll be the dawning of a new day for you. You'll be able to trust your passions. You say, I don't want to follow God because then I won't be able to do what I want to do. Let me tell you something. If you're truly following God, you will be able to do what you want to do and be right in the center of his will. Because he put those passions... In your life, get this junk of all these rules you got to keep. There's so many rules, I forget all of them. I don't even, but, but, but get your passion on Him. Then you can use your passions as a compass and as a guide. But some of you say, what if I try to jump in there and do something for God and it's the wrong thing? It wasn't, wasn't his exact plan for my life. Let me tell you what will happen. Is one, it will bring the per- person in that it was their plan, God's plan for their life. And two, it will make clearer to you what it is God does have something for you to do. So if you do the wrong thing for God, it's still a win-win. Get in the game. Get, out, get off the sidelines. A lot of people seem to have a spiritual gift of identifying problems and telling other people how to solve them. Anybody know anyone like that? If you don't know someone like that, then it's you. (laughs) And, And they think that their contribution to society is just to go around and identify problems and point them out and tell others what they need to do to fix those problems. See, but God rarely shows you a problem. That that needs a solution so you can point it out to someone else. God puts those things on our heart so that you can have some passion about doing something to fix it. So if you say, I don't know, God never tells me anything, would you ever see anything that needs doing? That's God putting some desire in you. Don't run to somebody else and tell them. They're not any better at doing it than you are. Do it yourself. But you say, oh, that's just not me. I'm not comfortable. I'm not a leader. I've never been a leader. Take your Bible today. Take it home with you and read Isaiah 43, 19 and take it to heart. It says, open your eyes. I am doing a new thing. Will you even be aware of it? God is doing a new thing this morning in some of your hearts, but you got to open your eyes so that you'll be aware of it. God is taking some this morning, good people, Moral people, sincere people, caring people, giving people. And he's taking you off the sidelines and getting you into the game. The Bible says we are kingdom warriors. That ought to excite you when you wake up in the morning. Listen this morning. Do what you do know. And then you'll know more what to do next. God clarifies in the midst of obedience. Some of us just say, I wish I knew the end of the story. I don't wish I knew because I'd be too scared to do it. 13, 14 years ago, the Lord put on my heart to start a ministry to help those in the prisons and homeless and just the less fortunate. I had no inkling at that point that I needed to share the word So I did what we do. I told my brother, I said, hey, we need to go share the word. So we went out to the prison one day, and he talked for a few minutes, and I was sitting there getting my notes out, ready to listen. And he said, and now my brother's going to come up and give the message this morning. Well, what do you do? And I said, well, I think he misread maybe the Lord's direction there. And then some three or four weeks later, uh, I was at work one Wednesday afternoon, about four o'clock phone rings It's dad he says hey uh your brother has had a medical procedure in, in the medical center I said well I didn't know that I should keep in touch more that's not my spiritual gift keeping in touch I I'm working on it I said well I hate to hear that I'll certainly be praying for him he said well thank you but that's not why I called with with the delay in him getting out in the traffic Wednesday night service is coming up here in a couple hours I said, well, I appreciate you telling me that, and I'll be in prayer for the Wednesday night service. He said, no, you're still not following me. What I'm telling you is you're doing the Wednesday night service. I said, you mean like Wednesday night in the, like two hours from now? He said, oh, yeah, you'll be fine. Uh, we'll be praying for you. Have a good day. And that was it. Well, I sang that night, too, before I spoke because at that point I hadn't spoken anywhere And I was really uncomfortable. I thought, well, I don't sing well at all. So maybe if I sing for a little while first, it'll take a little of the uncomfortableness out. So when y'all were listening to me sing, I know that I don't sing well, but it just kind of helps me. And, uh, And, you know, since that time in the last 10 years, I've been so blessed to share Christ with thousands and thousands of people in the prisons, with people in all different sorts of settings. It's not about me, but let me tell you something. God gave me a little Thought of what I needed to do. I think of how many times I've missed that. On that one occasion, though, God gave me a little thought of what to do. And God blesses in obedience. So don't want more of the picture. Because if you're anything like me, you would be scared if you have more of the picture. Just take that next step. Let God do the rest. See, remember this. If you don't remember anything else this morning, the key is not the ability to read God's mind. The key is just to know God's heart. Some of us spend so much time saying, if I could just get into the mind of God and know what He has for me in this situation. And I, don't, I know there's some things that are hard to figure sometimes, but we make it a lot harder than it is. If we just know God's heart, God's heart is that we share Christ with everybody that we can. That really makes it pretty simple. In our text this morning, while everyone else slept, Jonathan woke up, and he decided he needed to make a difference in his world. You know, maybe there's a touch of insanity to thinking you or I can really make a difference in our world, knowing all our faults, all our shortcomings, all our limitations. Maybe it's a little crazy to think that we might be able to change the course of history And sadly, the world is full of people that just wake up trying to make it through the day and get to the next day. And I'll say this, if that's normal, I vote for abnormal. I vote for a little insanity where we throw caution to the wind and just follow God wherever it is that he leads us. You know, my favorite part of this text this morning we read is where Jonathan told his armor bearer, He said, you read it this week and and think on it. He said, come on, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Of all the books you could read on leadership, of all the seminars you could attend, that's not how they would script you to say that. He said, hey, there's two of us. Let's go pick a fight with a thousand giants, and who knows, maybe God will show up. That's what he said. See, but Jonathan understood everything isn't guaranteed. See, the Bible tells us to count the cost. The Bible doesn't tell us to wait till all the money's in the bank. We need to count the cost, but we don't need to wait on all the questions to be answered. Jonathan had a spirit of just do something. And he went on to say nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Jonathan stood on God's word. Earlier in 1 Samuel chapter 7, Samuel Spoke to the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroths from among you and prepare your hearts from the Lord and serve Him only. He will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. Jonathan stood on God's word and he said, Come on, maybe, just maybe, the Lord will work on our behalf. See, it's easy to want a guarantee. But we should follow Jonathan's example and and just say, who knows? Maybe the Lord will show up. Hebrews 11, that honor roll of faith, they didn't have a guarantee. Remember what God told Abraham? And then Abraham, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive in his inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Seems kind of ridiculous to me. He left not knowing where he's going. That's not normal, see? But we need a little not normal in us. I think the problem is we have not been transformed. We've been conformed to this world. We're too concerned with what's normal than we are with reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to renew our minds and transform our minds. Abraham wasn't normal. But you may be thinking, If God would just tell me ahead of time what to do. See, he told Jonathan a few chapters earlier that he would deliver the Philistines to them. Jonathan didn't know when. He didn't know how. He didn't know it was that day. He didn't know he wouldn't lose his life that day. He just knew sometime God was going to deliver them. You know, I'd say we have more assurance than Jonathan. If we'd get in our Bibles... Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? The next time you feel like you need to crawl in the corner and do nothing, lift up your shoulders and get a little passion and say, If God is for me, then who can be against me? You say, I don't think that'll work. I bet you've never tried it. But I bet some of us have tried saying, Here we go again. This is the way it always works out. And then sure enough, it works out that way. We've got to break those patterns. Romans eight thirty seven says, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Not just conquerors. That would have probably been good enough, but more than conquerors. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. Whoever it is, them are. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you and never forsake you. Hebrews 13 says, God has said, I will never leave you. I will never say with, forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I know the plans I have for you. Declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a good future. We need to stand on those promises This week, you know, maybe some of the things we've looked at this morning about having some passion and some enthusiasm in your life, maybe they'll help you this week. Maybe with family relationships, maybe in your business. I don't know, in some sort of way, just maybe getting up in the morning with a little bit of zip in your step. Maybe that'll just help you have a better day. You know, I'm blessed to speak to all different sorts of people in all different sorts of venues. You know, people generally are kind, not always, but generally they're kind. And, you know, a lot of times people come up to me and they'll say, you know, those principles that you talked about, they'll help me in life. Irrespective of that Jesus part. You know, you could even leave the Bible out. That's just some good stuff. It'll help me this week to feel better. You know, and I'm okay with that. We all need a little help making better decisions. If the worst thing we do this week is make better decisions, then that's okay. But but I have to tell you this morning about someone that I met that changed my life his name is Jesus he came into the world he was the sinless son of God he was crucified on a cross between two thieves he was buried in a tomb and he was raised from the tomb on the third day and you may be saying that's great and all I've I've heard this story but let me tell you this morning I'm not telling you a story The part that changed my life is years ago I met Jesus Christ personally and asked Him to be the Lord of my life and I've never been the same since. It doesn't mean I don't mess up. You know, I really feel like Paul most of the time. Those things I don't want to do, I do. And those things I do want to do, I don't. But you know, the great thing about it is it's not about me and what I do. And it's not about me and what I don't do. And it's not about you or what you may or may not do. What it is, it's about Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. That old song that says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left the crimson stain. He washed it. White as snow. It's not a fairy tale that I'm telling you this morning. I know Jesus is real because I talk to him every day. I know Jesus is real because when I mess up, he lovingly corrects me. He doesn't condemn me and tell me I'm a failure and I'll never amount to anything. He puts his arms around me and loves me and draws me into himself. I know Jesus is real because when I'm afraid, he's right there with me. And I know Jesus is real because when I don't know what to do, He gives me direction. And some of you here today may be vaguely familiar with Jesus. Some of you here may be a step past that. Some of you may know about Jesus. But you don't know Jesus personally. And what you need to do this morning is you just need to do something. And that something is as Jesus Christ into your heart. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, You can't get saved without confessing with your mouth. Plenty of us have made enough bad confessions with our mouth. Some of us this morning need to confess Christ. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's not about joining a church. It's not about learning more about Jesus. I feel this morning in my spirit that there's people in this room that are good. Honorable, moral people. But that won't get you to heaven. It's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what background that you come from. I, I'm not talking to you this morning about joining a church. I couldn't care less about denominations or what your background is. It's all about Jesus And if you feel a tug at your heart this morning, if you feel something in your spirit this morning, that's the Holy Spirit wanting Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. And if you feel that with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, say these words with your mouth. You say, you mean out loud? In front of, yes, I mean out loud. Take a stand, do something. Take a stand for Jesus. If you feel Jesus tugging at your heart this morning, if you'll say these words with your mouth and mean them with your heart, you will be saved. If that's you, say this with me, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I believe you were crucified on a cross and died for my sins. I believe you were buried in a tomb and I believe you rose from the dead. I repent from my past. Forgive me of my sins. I ask you to be Lord of my life. I trust my future with you. Thank you, God. You'll never leave and never forsake me. The angels in heaven, the Bible says, the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner comes home. I know there's rejoicing in heaven this morning. Many of this room have accepted Jesus as Savior, but, but just need to get off the sideline and get in the game and just do something. God, I pray for faith this morning. I pray for boldness. I pray for those who need to get in the game. God, will stand on your word. Go before them, God. Show them the way. Go behind them as their protector. Go beside them as their friend. Open, God, we thank you for doors of promotion that you're opening this morning. We also thank you for doors of protection that you're closing. Give us faith. Give us courage this morning to just do something. In Jesus' name we pray.